You're listening to the Whole Testament Podcast with Dave, Kevin, and Fred. If you have any questions, visit thewholetestament.com and send any questions in to thewholetestament at gmail.com. Today we're going to talk about sin and how our understanding of it might be different than uh, it was in Jesus' day. Now, uh, last week we talked about uh, the paralytic, and that episode might be helpful in understanding today's episode. So go back and check that out uh, if you haven't listened to it already. Does that work? Great. <laughs> Okay. All right. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Okay. All right. So let's just start off with this. Um, When you think about sin in the scriptures, um, like if you were to think about first century, so biblical times, what comes to mind? Like what are the pictures that come to your mind? Animal sacrifice. Okay. You have to sacrifice animals to be forgiven or to have your sins rolled forward. I mean, is that... I would say that's a pretty common understanding. Yeah, yeah. It's messy. Like, there's a lot of... Blood. It's nasty. It probably didn't smell great. No, not well, at all. I don't know, man. I drive by the barbecue place. That's true. It smells delicious. Mm. That's true. <laughs> they just barbecue it It is a pleasing long. aroma <laughs> unto Dave. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, don't add me into that there. Yeah. But it was so. gross. I mean, it was gross. I, I think when we hear the word sin, we think division or separation from God. I think that's been kind of a common theological. I mean, if you grow up in church, you hear sin. Your sin separates you from God. Right. Right. Yeah. I remember that that cross thing. Like, did you ever... the. Uh, the illustration where there's like the the, the bridge chasm and then the like yes. cross <laughs> yes and you can't always, get to the other side this is probably a terrible makes me a terrible person but i always thought that was corny and dumb <laughs> well it's not corny or dumb but how do you get above the peak you have to travel I know. across and there's then you have like to climb stairs up, <laughs> up the vertical to go over or you got to like hug the vertical and like and try to step go, around so you don't oh. fall into the pit of despair and that's assuming the peak. welcome to the pit of despair don't even <clears throat> don't even think about trying to skate wow that went to a that was place. way yeah. back there okay. that's, a, that's the yeah anyways but I would say though, so I would say that those are probably the common understandings. Yeah, uh, and so what do we do with what do we think about when we think about sin for the modern Christian? Hmm. I guess I probably already jumped the gun because it's separation from God. Okay. Right. You know, you you it's, are a sin. You have sinned. It's a transgression against God, and somebody has to deal with it so that you can have access to God. I would say that's modern, more of a modern mm-hmm. understanding. Yeah, but it's it's already dealt with, right? Correct. Yes. So we don't have to do any. What do we have to do about it? So say you get mad and yell at your kids. What do we? What's what's the cost? Well, I would say that the cost is strained relationship. I would say need to confess it to God first and then go make it right with uh, with the other party. Yeah, so no, we don't have to... And, take, we don't have to lose anything, really. Yeah. Well, that's Physically. true. There's no, Any, right. Or you can go sacrifice a chicken in your backyard. No, you cannot. You can, but that... I mean, you can. That you might be, get arrested. That Your would, neighbors might well, you misunderstand. Might, yes, or you might get, like, that is that is against the so every, commands of God. So every you. time I sinned, I had to sacrifice a chicken in the backyard. I'd be out there all the time. I would be sac- I would be sacrificing a chicken because I sacrificed a chicken. I felt guilty about sacrificing the first one, so I had to sacrifice the second one. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Okay, so, all right. <clears throat> yeah, okay, so in our last 
podcast um, episode, we were talking about the paralytic and how uh, everybody expects Jesus to say, get up and walk. But instead, Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. And so we, we're kind of going to try to look at like how we've misunderstood sin um, as we've come to our text from a completely New Testament perspective and outside of the Old Testament. So you mentioned about the Old Testament that uh, the way you deal with sin is through the sacrificial system. Right. Which is pretty common what people... What is, what is the point, if I were to ask the majority of people, what is the point of the sacrificial system? Almost every person would say, what, Fred? The, well, the point was for forgiveness of sins, right? Yeah, to deal yeah. with sin. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not a trick question. No. I see you like, going, I know. wait, is he I tricking like, me? Wait a minute. I like to trick him sometimes, but I was thinking not, a trick, not a trick. Not a trick question. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> right. So that's what probably the majority of people would respond. So real quick, this is uh, another whole series of podcasts that will be coming down the pike, but uh, just just for our own understanding, I was going to kind of look at each of the sacrifices. Okay, so just a real quick overview. The beginning of Leviticus starts and it begins and it goes through the sacrifices in the sacrificial system. There are five sacrifices. Um, however, one of them has three different categories. So you can see maybe eight. And then anyway, so uh, the very first one, Leviticus 1, 2, and 3. Kevin, why don't you read that for us? It is the burnt offering. So verse two says, uh, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when any of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish and he shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. Right. So chapter one of Leviticus deals with the burnt offering. Did you notice the reason why you bring the offering? He's looking it over. There's no reason listed. That was a true question. <laughs> okay. It doesn't tell you why. I was it freaking out for a minute like <laughs> it was in the text. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Makes me like, feel self I'm so glad we're recording this for all eternity. I made Kevin feel stupid. Uh, so it doesn't say, it just says, when anyone of you brings an offering to the Lord, which is so many, there's so much stuff in there. You'll have to wait. I don't know. It's like 28,000 podcasts down the road, but we'll get to that eventually, maybe, God willing. Um, yeah, so it doesn't have a reason. And then, and then it goes on. If, it can, if the priest does it or if the leader of the people is different offerings for different people, but it doesn't give any reason why. Then you turn the page to Leviticus chapter 2, and we have the grain offering. Fred, I'm going to make you read this one. Perfect. 2 verse 1. When anyone brings a grain offering as an offering to the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour. He shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it. Yes, and then it'll go on and give you all the different ways. You can bake it. You can fry it. You can make like a dough ball. This one smells good. You can have plain, yeah, this one, like fresh baked bread till it burns. And then yeah, it, it's true. burnt bread. Yeah. Um, but does it give a reason why you bring that one? No. No, it does it's not. Just, yeah. <clears throat> okay, so then we're going to move on. You turn the page, Leviticus chapter 3, the Thanksgiving offering. Kevin, your turn. Yep. If his offering is a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offers an animal from the herd, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. All right. And is there a reason for is you there, to do this? Is there a reason, Kevin? <laughs> I'm going to just answer you off. No, there is not, Dave. There's not a reason. It not in verse one it's anyway. It's not specific. That's correct. There are a, right. a listings of different various things that come, but that's not in... Leviticus 3, it's later on uh, because Leviticus 1, two, 1 through 5 deals specifically with the procedural purposes and then it will repeat 6 through 8 and gives you more information, which it will give more information on the Thanksgiving offering, but at this point it doesn't. It just tells you what you bring and how you bring it, okay? So just for our own being aware, 
we have gone through the first three of the five sacrifices and God has yet to give us a reason and has yet to mention sin. Right. Which is something we don't, we are not aware of. We think that all of the sacrifices are connected to sin, but God has given us three significant offerings and has not even mentioned sin or even given a reason for bringing them. That's cool. So there's, that's something to pay attention to because we always associate it with sin. So now we get to the fourth offering, which is the sin offering. So Fred, your turn, buddy. Speak to the people of Israel saying, if anyone sins unintentionally in any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done and does any one of them. Dot, dot, dot. And then after that, it just goes through a whole bunch of lists, depending on who you are, the offering you have to bring. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so it's the fourth offering we have to get to before we find anything about sin. And we're going to come back to that one in a minute. So I'm just going to skip over saying much more about that. And then the fifth offering, Kevin. Yep. The guilt offering, Leviticus chapter five, starting in verse 15. If anyone commits a breach of faith and sins unintentionally in any of the holy things of the Lord, he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation a ram without blemish out of the flock, valued in silver shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, for a guilt offering. All right. So, yeah, that's the very beginning. So... Yeah, so um, when we get to the sin offering, it gives us if anyone sins unintentionally. So it gives us a reason for bringing the sin offering. And then in the guilt offering, it also gives us a reason if anyone commits a breach of faith and sins unintentionally in any of the holy things of the Lord. So they finally gives us some reasons why. So here are two. So um, to break it down, the first three are not obligatory. They're just if you desire or want. So it's not even something you have to do. Now, there are occasions where you do have to do those. Um, There are some of the feasts where these things occur, but they're not something that you're obligated to do. And then the last two are things you are obligated to do if you've um, done these specific circumstances. Um, And what I personally think is that the, the, the struggle, we have a a struggle in the way we understand things that we read in the New Testament because it's it's so significant to first century Judaism to the time when the New Testament is being written, the sacrificial system, the temple, it's like so significant to the way they live their life. And we just like, we have really no real understanding of it. Right. We read right past it because we don't experience it. It's not part of our everyday life. Yeah. I was if talking, that makes sense. Yeah. I was talking to a guy who we meet together on a regular basis, sort of a mentoring thing, but um, I'm helping him. And he's, uh, he's leading a small group and I challenged him to just go through the Bible, right? Don't get a book, just read the Bible and see how much, how that does, right? That's crazy talk. It's wow. it's really hard on the leader because then you're responsible for knowing the Bible, which is really difficult. So he's really stepped up to it and I'm, I'm proud of him. And um, he's using version has stuff. So you can just go on version. They help you work through it. They break it up in sections. So they're almost, they're halfway into Exodus. And I was like, oh, because I, I love Leviticus. I'm like, yeah, I get, it's going to be so awesome when you get to Leviticus. And he was like, well, some people in our group have said we should just skip Leviticus. <laughs> oh, no. Because it's, because it's so boring. It's not. What is the struggle that most people have with the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament? I would say the God of the Old Testament is judgment, wrath, sacrifice. Death. Death. New Testament God is love, forgiveness, grace because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. And so how, we, we don't reconcile them. 
Right. And nobody wants a God of judgment, wrath, blood. Yep. Sounds awful. Yeah. There's a rabbis that one of the rabbinic things that I was reading said that on one of the days in the holidays, I can't specifically remember which, that there were so many sacrifices that the priest would be like ankle deep in blood. Wading through blood. Wading through blood. Wow. Right? Nobody wants that God. We don't want that God because it just, it's, we want a God who's going to love us. All we got to do is say we're sorry. doesn't really cost us a lot. Right. Keep it clean. Clean up the blood. Right. So it's hard for us. It's easier. Sanitized. (laughs) Indeed. And then, you know, when you start reading, I mean, if you read it, when you start reading the Old Testament, there are these stories that you're just like, that just makes me feel frustrated. So I picked one of those out. I'm going to have you read it, Kev. This is uh, Numbers 15. So that is absolutely crazy that we that you put this on the, the discussion because I was thinking about this very, because it's like, dude, this is unfair. Right. As soon as you read it, it's like, yeah. this is really unfair. So, okay, so it's Numbers uh, 15, and it's the story of the guy picking up sticks. And I believe it's during the Sabbath. Okay, so verse, uh, verse 32, while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man ca- uh, gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. Verse 34, they put him in custody because, he had, uh, because it had not been made clear Uh, what should be done to him. Verse 35. And the Lord said to Moses, the man shall be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. Verse 36. And all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with stones as the Lord commanded Moses. Wow. It's crazy, right? It is crazy. He was picking up sticks on the Sabbath. Yep. So in contrast to our last episode with Jesus and the paralytic, Jesus sees the paralytic and looks at him and loves him and says, your sins are forgiven. And pick up your mat. And walk. And walk. Yeah, and, and I'll heal you. And then the God of the Old Testament sees a guy picking up sticks right. and says, stone him. So I have a question about this. No, no question. Dang it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go. <laughs> Go. Do, you th- do you think he was like intentionally doing this? Because he would have known, right? That is an excellent question, Fred. And the, the other part of the text is it says it had not been decided yet. They yeah. put him in custody first because yep. it had not. I'm mean, doing air quotes. People can't see this, but. <laughs> Eagle Talons. Eagle Talons. But it's a, it had not been yet decided what to do, so this was maybe like a this uh, is a first adjudication yeah. of the law or understanding of the law, if you will. Yeah. So they're like, let's go to God and see. So we can't say we can't even say, well, Moses was just a real legalistic, and so he decided this. I mean, we this solely relies on right the shoulders of God mm-hmm. saying this is such a bad thing that he's doing. Let's kill him. So, Fred, I will come back to your yeah. question. I'm not ignoring your oh, question. Oh, I know you're not. I, sometimes I will, though. So I know. Just, just uh, it popped be in prepared my head. for that. It popped in my head. I appreciate it, and it is, is excellent because it's right where I want to go. So, Great. in order, though, to answer that question, we have to understand something about sin in the Old Testament. So, sin in our lives, in our day and age, is how would you, so I'm gonna start with Fred because every time I ask a question, Kevin jumps in first. It's okay. So I'm gonna start with Fred. I'm gonna specifically call you out. How would you define sin? Sin is the intent, intentional and unintentional things I do that are bad. <laughs> okay. All right. Kevin. Ditto. Ditto. <laughs> so I, uh, in, my, in my background heritage, 
I, mm-hmm. I believe um, what I have memorized in my mind is John Wesley's statement is okay. a willful transgression of a known law of God. And that's how we define sin. Right. Uh, uh, active, you added unintentional. I did. But I, did. I think that's because you've been swayed a little bit. Well. I would say that the majority of people would not think, would think that if I don't, intentionally do something, then it's not sin. Sure. That, yeah, uh, logically, yes. <laughs> Most people, if we but, were to go take a Pew survey, we would say, what is sin? People would say, when I intentionally do something that God told me not to do. Right, right. Or told me to do, maybe. We may throw that one in there. But most people, it's going to be, I intentionally disobeyed God. Yeah. So in the... In the Old Testament, though, mm-hmm. there are different... Uh, so let me just... I'm just going to read. Um, I got to find it. So in the Old Testament... <laughs> <laughs> editing, editing. <laughs> You're both just like, what? In... <laughs> So in the Old Testament, um, sin is has has different definitions. So I'm gonna just, I'm gonna read Exodus 34 six and seven. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, "The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin." So. If we were to say, okay, it, it basically sounds like Moses got out his thesaurus, looked up the word sin and said, how many ways can I say this different? Iniquity, transgression, and sin. Right. So if we were to define those, we'd basically come up with probably the same definition. Like a define iniquity, define transgression, tr- define sin. Are you, would, saying, are you saying from an English? Yeah, from an English. When we read 20, that. 2020 American Western Christianity, we would see, yeah, sin, iniquity, transgression. They're all the same. Interchangeable. Yes, sure. interchangeable with not different definitions. And, and so the thing that we need to know and as people are coming to the text is that as I've really started studying this and really studying the Judaisms of, of the text is that God is very intentional and very specific. Right. I mean, it was hard for them to write stuff down that long ago, you know? So God doesn't like use extra words. In fact, I mean, you see Jesus saying not one little, not one dot, not one tittle in Matthew chapter five. Those are like, even the smallest markings, like they're all specific, they're all intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't want to ever look over, uh, look at something and be like, "Oh, he's saying that he's using the same word three different times just for emphasis." It's not. So, so when I saw that, I asked myself that question: Why did he say the same thing three times? So then I go and grab my Blue Letter Bible app, which, if any of you are serious about being students of the text, you need to get the Blue Letter Bible app. I'm using it right now. Do you have it up in front yeah, of you? Good, because maybe you can read what it says. What the definition part of it. Okay, so <laughs> so are you on Exodus 34, yeah. 6? Yeah. Tap on tap on the verse 7. Yep. Okay. Now there should be an interlinear tab. Oh, that's what that means. Yep, interlinear. And then interlinear tab will show you all of the words in the Hebrew, and you can just go down until you see the one. It's oh, yeah. parallel with the English, and what's the word for sin? Uh, wait, where'd it go? Uh, just while he's trying to figure that out. Look, English is not, is not useful for everything in the text. We, I don't have, I didn't take any Hebrew classes. I didn't take any Greek classes. I've learned how to find tools that will tell me what these words mean, so I've use the blue letter Bible. Like I can hardly read my scriptures without having it so that I can see like, wait, it says sin, iniquity, transgression. What are these words? I found it. You got it, Fred? Yeah, I found it. So what is the sin? It's hat. Hatat. Hatat. Yeah, hatat. 
and chachat. So then you can look at it. It'll give you definitions. It'll give you the root word where this word comes from. And the heart of the word chachat, the word translated sin, is like it connects to an archer who's shooting an arrow at a target and he misses. So it simply means to miss the mark, okay? So sin is an archer shooting, trying to hit the target and misses, okay? Then we have the next word, iniquity, which is? <clears throat> uh, aon, A-O-N. Yeah, but it's like, if, does it have the pronunciation beside there? Because it'll help you say it, right? No. Oh. Wait. You got to click on it and go up. I'll go to the next page where it's all about that word. Nope, that's not the right thing. Well, your thing was started. It'll read it. The <laughs> it'll blue letter it. Bible. Yeah, it'll yeah. read it to me. I, I mean, is it pronounced Alvon? Alvon. 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 Anyway, doesn't matter because none of us are Hebrew scholars. Sure. Uh, Alvon means basically it'll tell you, oh, it translates iniquity. But if you look at the root word, it means to twist. Okay. Mm. So that's to take something that God has said to do, like, you should do this. And we say, well, that's really too difficult for me to do. It's really cramping my style. So mm -hmm. I'm going to just twist what he says mm -hmm. to fit what I feel is accurate. So, Or if it's inconvenient. It's inconvenient. I twist it. It doesn't seem right. It's not very politically correct, whatever. Mm -hmm. We'll take the, the words of God and we twist them. That is iniquity. So, so... Twisting the word of God to fit my own desires or purposes is the word iniquity. And then the third word, transgression. P-E-S-A. Pasha. 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 <laughs> now that is fun to say. Transgression. Pasha is transgression. And it'll you know, say translation is like sin or transgression or whatever. But in if you read further in, because there's other like more in-depth stuff, it's the image is with a hand, a hand, a high hand. Disobedience? So if you... Like is it... It's, like it's high-handed. So like, so the image is, since we're on a podcast, I've got my hand, my fist raised in the air and I'm shaking it at God. Like... Punching the air. Yeah, like I... I don't care. I'm going to do what I want. Right. It's, I don't care. I'm doing what I want. It is high-handed. It is a high hand. Okay? So, we have those three different definitions for sin. One is, I'm trying to hit the target, and I'm missing. One is, I don't really like that, but I want to give a little bit to what God wants, so I'm gonna change it to fit what I like, what feels more comfortable for me. And one is to basically just like a two-year-old and you tell them, you need to go pick up your toys and they raise their fist up and they say, no. I got a two-year-old he's- <laughs> Does he do that? He, he doesn't, he doesn't raise his fist oh. up, but he does look but at you does and look say, at you. no. And it's, with the with the f look on his face too. Yeah, that yeah. that like just defiance. Okay, mm -hmm. so those are our three different things, right? Now, if to go back to your question, yes, did he know what he was doing? It the scripture does not specifically say. But what I want to do is read the passage of scripture that is directly before this passage I of scripture. I was say that. You know, I was going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. So this is going to be Numbers 15, starting in verse 27. So either one of you guys can read I that. Can read, I can read it. Okay. If, if one, so verse, starting verse 27, if one person sins unintentionally, he shall offer a female goat a year old for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement before the Lord for the person who makes a mistake when he sins unintentionally to make atonement for him and he shall be forgiven. Verse 29, you shall have one law for him who, do, who does anything intentionally, for him who is a native among the people of Israel and for the stranger who sojourns among them. But the person who does anything with a high hand, whether he is native or sojourner, reviles the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from his people. 
Because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment, that person shall be utterly cut off. His iniquity shall be on him. Yeah, so. That's heavy. It is. And there's a few key words that we need to see in there. If a person sins unintentionally. Right, verse 27. So which sin, which definition, which word would we put in front of there to do it unintentionally? The sin or shatat. Sorry. I don't know. Okay, that's cool. I'm just telling you, I don't know Hebrew. So. Well, neither do I. It's kind of fun to say, though. <laughs> I say it. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, you can say it however you want. I put gutturals on everything. <laughs> so you can it's probably sound not really. Right. It's, yeah. Well, it's fun, though. Yeah. So <laughs> spitting on if your I correct you and somebody's listening and they're like, that dude wrong. was right, and that other dude is wrong, and he's an idiot, and he's so <laughs> pompous and arrogant. Send an email to the whole testament <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> totally. Just send an email. <laughs> that's all you got to do. He said, that's wrong. it. Uh, yeah. So that's fine. Do that because I would rather be right, be corrected. So, yeah, in, unintentionally, you know, I don't know. I've been very many people that are trying to shoot a target. My. I got a five-year-old, and we have Nerf dart gun fights all the time. Never once have I tried to shoot him and missed on purpose. It's always unintentionally. So that's that sin, that missing the mark. So if he says, if you do this unintentionally and you make a mistake and sin unintentionally, then you will make atonement for him. There's There's a sacrifice for that. Right. There's a sacrifice for that. And there's one law for for anyone who does anything unintentionally, whether it's Israel or a, or a sojourner, right? Which right, is something- Native among you. Yep. That's another thing that we could talk about, about the, is it just for Israel or not? But anyone who does anything with a high hand, that is transgression. That is pshaw. And I love what verse 31 says, because he has despised the word of the Lord. Yeah. That's that high-handedness. He shall be utterly cut off, and his iniquity shall be on him. It's like saying he he's <clears throat> literally cut off. He's literally dead to me. There is no sacrifice anywhere in the Old Testament for an intentional sin. You cannot say, Hmm. I know this is wrong, but I'll just go get a goat tomorrow, take it to the temple, and it'll be okay. Right. This is not a very well-known thing because we just don't spend the time in the text. There is no sacrifice for an intentional sin. Hmm. I hear the word meditated. Meditated, calculated. I know I'm going to do this and I just don't care. Wow. And the consequence is you are cut off. Now, there are only a few instances where like this one, like you said earlier, it was like, they didn't really know what to do in this situation. And so God says, you got to kill him. It's like, this one is like, I think, dramatic for the purpose of setting an example so right. that people see, which we see this happening even in the New, even in the New Testament mm-hmm. with Ananias and Sapphira. They lie to the Holy Spirit and it's like, okay, kill, they, God does it. He kills them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, as, much, so much for the idea that the New Testament doesn't have judgment in it. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's all grace and love. Um, so, but, but the majority of them don't end up, there are a few that if you do this, you shall be cut off or killed. Um, but the, the rest are, there, there are just, it's just, you're just cut off, you know? It's like God's, there's, this, there's that separation that you were talking about. There's this separation and you cannot just bring an offering, which interestingly enough, when we do this 
sacrifices podcast, the word sa- we translate sacrifice or offering is um, the Hebrew word korban, which um, comes from the root word of that is uh, korov, which means to draw near. So the whole, like we say sacrifice or offering as if it's I'm giving up something or I owe something, but it's not about that. It's about drawing near. Wow. And so the sacrificial system that God has set up, these five sacrifices are ineffectual for anybody who has sinned intentionally. There is no way to draw near to God if we have intentionally twisted or held our hand up in his Mm. face. Wow. Which is why um, David in, in Psalms 32 says, blessed is the one whose transgressions that's the high-handed, mm-hmm. is forgiven. Whose sin, that's missing the mark, is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. That's the twisting. Mm-hmm. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. He's basically, he's saying what we don't realize as we look back at the Old Testament, it's that the only way an intentional sin can be dealt with is for somebody to just go before God and say, I'm sorry. It's really not that different Mm. than what we already do today with our intentional sins. Mm -hmm. Because as you were reading that, how how is this even possible if you don't- If there's no sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing you can do except- Right, because we would say, well, Jesus hadn't come yet, so there's no way that these people could be forgiven. Yeah, well, they would have to do sacrifices, but what we don't right. know is there's no sacrifice, so they're stuck. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I was trying to get at. Yeah, so they're stuck in their sin. And so the only way is you can ask God to forgive you, and then you can hope that he does. But there's no way of really knowing except one day a year, one day a year, there is a ceremony that is put into place to deal with sin, iniquity, and transgression. Do you know what day it is, Fred? You're looking at me. I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious though. I am. I'm like edging my seat. He was looking at me like, wait, what? What?" (laughs) Kevin. Kevin's got his hand raised. What is it, Kevin? It's the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 16. The Day of Atonement. There it is. Yeah, the Day of Atonement. I paid Um, attention in class. (laughs) I sat at the back. Is that it? Yeah. You were doing the spitballs while I was mm -hmm. paying attention? Yep. It's all good. D's get degrees. D's don't get degrees. <laughs> nice. I don't think D's get degrees. Maybe they do. Mm, I'm pretty sure they Some do. Some places. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got a pretty good idea that they do, huh? Oh, man. <laughs> so, um, yes. Before we head into that Day of Atonement, I did want to make that one more connection between... Um, the paralytic and the guy lifting the sticks. So mm-hmm. the paralytic, so in David's Psalm, I didn't, I didn't get to read the rest of it. Um, he's saying, blessed are you forgiven and blah, blah, blah. And then he says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Like sin will affect us physically. And when we hold it in and we don't confess it and we don't give it over to God, it will begin to destroy us. That's really good. And so I think in that story of the paralytic, like I th- this is all just my interpretation of the text. I'm looking at, I'm trying to figure out why Jesus starts with your sins are forgiven and not get up and walk. I'm trying to figure that out. And I'm just looking and I'm just thinking he, and it says the faith of his friends 
not his faith, it's his friend's faith. When he saw their faith letting him in, you know, it's like, I can see this guy being like, I'm such a, probably where a lot of us have probably been at some point, I'm, I'm beyond the point of forgiveness. Mm. Um, I have transgressed, I have held my hand up. There is no sacrifice left for me and I'm just stuck here. I'm stuck in this place and it begins to destroy your your body physically, your mind, your emotions, your um, spiritual life, your mental health. It begins to just erode all of that. And so the 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 power of Jesus, you know, being able to look at us and say, hey, your sins are forgiven. Like he sees what our needs are. Mm-hmm. And we, like the blessing of what we have um, in the New Testament is that it, our intentional sins have already been dealt with, right? Mm-hmm. So I just think that's a powerful contrast. The guy with the sticks is like just fist raised. I don't even care, but I see the guy on the mat is just like, I don't even know anymore what I have left. Right. I don't even deserve it. So it was because it was his friends who had to bring him. Yep. I'm completely trapped and I have no way out. Mm-hmm. And your statement on um, physical, how our body manifests physically, uh, forgiveness. I've heard a dozen stories probably in the last two or three years of people that just, when they forgive their physical body re- reacts. Yeah. So like they're carrying bitterness toward a relationship or, you know, unforgiveness. You know, so like, I really don't like Dave, da, 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 Dave, 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 Dave. But as soon as they ask for forgiveness and repent, their physical they get healed. Yeah, because their body responds to the spiritual reality, which is it a, is crazy cool. Which is a great um, way to plug our next episode because in the Hey-o. next episode, yeah. So in the next episode, you and Julie are going to sit down and we're going to talk about those things because I've heard the stories. Yeah, and so we're going to our dessert episode uh, for this uh, topic will be on that the physical healing that's connected to the spiritual. Okay, cool. So, I just dropped that on Kevin. He didn't know it was coming. No, I love it. <laughs> okay, so back to the Day of Atonement. So um, on the Day of Atonement, there's this, uh, it's Leviticus 16. Again, we're gonna do a whole podcast series on the feasts, right. which this is. So Yom Kippur is one of the seven feasts. Yes, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. Okay, for, for those yes. that don't know that, yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. unpack that mm. in a future episode. It, it is one of the feasts. And so on this feast day, um, all of Israel is assembled and it's the one day of the year where God's gonna judge like the whole nation. And, and so there's um, several sacrifices that happen. Most of it deals with the high priest. He has to do all these steps, gets washed, changes clothes three or four times, does all these things, takes all these sacrifices, um, takes a bull for himself. There are two goats. Um, one of the goats is for the Lord, and one of the goats is for Azazel, which we'll have to get into. Right. Um, but that's where we get the word scapegoat. So we're going to talk about the scapegoat. Um, so I think I have this... Somebody going to read this for me here, this passage. You got it, Fred, or Which you want one? me to? Oh, this is the second. Leviticus me... 16, right? Yeah, yeah. start yeah. verse 20. <clears throat> yep, verse 20. <clears throat> and when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting in the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness." All right, so the majority of the time when we think about the Day of Atonement and these sacrifices, we think, okay, you've got the one goat that's killed. And most of the time when we 
um, look at that. We think that the bull is killed for the sins of the high priest to make atonement for the high priest, and the goat is killed for the sins of the people to make atonement for the people. And then you've got this other goat that's alive. But the problem is right here in the scripture, it says that when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place in the tent of meeting and the altar. So the bull and the first goat are not for the atonement of the people, but for the atonement of the place that God chooses to dwell in their presence because it has contracted by association the sin of the people. So it's like God's spring cleaning once a year he has this ceremony that says we're going to take the blood and he sprinkles it on the altars and they do it. he sprinkles it all over the holy place to make atonement for the holy place because of the sins of the people before yeah before yeah. we even get to the people so I'm going to clean up the yes the, the location so even in this sacrifice there is not an, an there's not a sacrifice made for the sins iniquities and transgressions of the people if you notice in the scripture it says he puts his hands on the head of the goat mm-hmm. and proclaims over it the sins iniquities and transgressions of the people and then they send the goat out into the wilderness they send it away it's not killed there's mm-hmm. no death it's just, we're going to put it all on here and symbolically, we're going to take it out into the wilderness as if us symbolically saying, this whole past year, my outstretched arm raised fist in anger to God, my two-year-old tantrum, or my looking at his commands and twisting it. I've released those. I've set them on this goat and I'm sending it out and hopefully God takes it. You could say the goat has been cut off. Maybe. Yeah, he's cut off. Mm. There you go. That's good. Putting the pieces together. There you go. But he's not killed. Right. Hebrews 9, it says, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the asher of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? There's such a huge... Um, connection that happens when you read that verse, when you understand that the sacrificial system was for people who had become unclean or impure um, unintentionally, accidentally. And so the sacrifices uh, would purify your flesh. It would purify the flesh. There's a rabbi, um, Rabbi Isaac Arama. He's uh, from Spain in the 15th century. And he says, the difference between an intentional and an unintentional sin is that in the former case, so with the intentional sin, both the body and the soul were at fault, which makes sense. If I'm intentionally sinning, my body, like sin affects our our body and it affects my soul because my soul has chosen and my body's been along for the ride. In the case of an unintentional sin, only the body was at fault, not the soul. Therefore, a physical sacrifice helps since it was only the physical act of the body that was in the wrong. Now, we, when we think about sacrifices, man, we're just like, oh, we don't have to do that because it's been done away with and Jesus died on the cross and he did with, dealt with my sin. But here's Hebrews saying that the sacrificial system sanctifies for the purification of the flesh. So the flesh is purified, but the conscience is not dealt with. So the beauty, so why Hebrews can say he was a better sacrifice is to say in the entirety of the scriptures, there's nothing that deals with intentional sin. But when Jesus went on, went to the cross, he became that blood sacrifice that was not, that the, the scapegoat was pointing to mm-hmm. as an image because that goat couldn't be killed because it wouldn't have been effective. 
But when Jesus goes to the cross, he becomes that scapegoat that we put our sins, our iniquities, our transgressions on him and his blood is shed that purifies not just the flesh, but the conscience. Mm, That's good. So this is why um, when you read Romans, this is a verse that really confuses a lot of people. Um, Romans 3.20 says, For by works of the law, no human will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The law was not set up to justify or erase the sin. It is there to show us what sin is. He says, no one can be justified. Here's a really interesting thing that I learned when I was studying this. In the Hebrew, whenever it's in the Old Testament, whenever it's talking about sacrifices and sin, it uses the word atonement. In the New Testament, when it's talking about sacrifices and sin, so um, with the coming of the Messiah, it uses the word justification, okay? And if you look at those words, the word atonement means covering over. Like the first time it's used, it's like Noah covered over the ark that he built with pitch. Mm -hmm. So it's like covering over. So the, the way I like to describe it, and this is reality in my life is, I have kids that for some reason, when they learn how to write, they just think they can write on everything. So they're drawing <laughs> on the wall. You have that too, Fred? Oh my goodness. Yes. Thank you, Magic Eraser. Yes. So so my kid gets a Sharpie, a black Sharpie out, and he writes on the wall. Um, and Or she. <laughs> and she writes on the wall her name and then wants to say, that wasn't me. Nobody else is going to write your name on the wall, child. Nobody else. <laughs> He's going to write your name on the wall. <laughs> so she goes and she writes her name on the wall, and then it's in, it's in a permanent Sharpie and the magic eraser and the hairspray and all these tricks aren't working. So what do I have to do? I have to paint over right. it, right? Oh, you have to this is, cover, I cover it over. Cover, over. cover mm. over it. So I cover over it, and guess what that does? It covers over, and it looks like a nice clean wall, but the reality is, is that it's, the writing is still there. Right. And in the New Testament, the word justification covers comes with it the understanding of to remove completely, right. to take it away. So right. it's it's the writing is on that wall, and then Jesus comes and he uses the hairspray and the magic eraser, or you know, or he whatever, just, or he just builds a new wall, yeah, magical, <laughs> or just builds you a new house. <laughs> yeah, and in he, my in my father's house are it. many mansions. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. So it removes right. It's not there anymore. And so that's the thing. Paul is saying the law was never set up to remove it. It was there to help cover it over until the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice would be shed that would have the power to remove it from there. So how does this change the way you look at the sacrificial system? I would say it changes everything. It changes everything because in some way, shape or form, maybe we thought that the Old Testament, or in the old, I'm not saying Old Testament, but I'm saying the sacrificial system was, was significant enough for them. And now we actually learned that there were some things that it just didn't cover. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm trying to, I mean, I'm verbalizing it and trying to th- find my way there, but that's the value in it. And I think sitting in a, ch- in a church pew week after week as a, as a churchgoer, you say, well, this is what Jesus' sacrifice did for me, but we don't understand the, impl- the implications or the larger ramifications of what was actually done on the cross. Yeah. Okay. Even as you were talking, and I think this is a good point. So when you were talking about um, the sacrifices, it said offerings and sacrifices, and you said it was linked to that. Is it cor, cor, Corbin? Cor- Corbin, yeah. And it means nearness. I think that just changes a lot of how I think the relational part of the system was even set up. Yeah. 
Because I don't know about you, Fred, but when I was taught the sacrificial system, it was you couldn't even draw near, and this was kind of like a a pacification, or you just yeah. pacify God by doing this thing. And your understanding of God in you know, like the tabernacle period, is like he wanted he wanted his people to draw near, but there had to be a mechanism to draw near. And that was the mechanism. It wasn't a wrath. I'm not happy with you. You got to go kill yeah. bulls. Right. Blood for it blood was, kind of stuff. Right. And yeah. I think that's a different understanding too, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's the holiness of God cannot be in the presence of sin. And mm-hmm. so in order for him to dwell in our midst, there has to be, which really is interesting because Exodus ends, God built the tabernacle or God, Moses finished building the tabernacle. The presence of God entered in and Moses, who was the most holy person on the earth at the time, couldn't even enter. Right. And that's where the book ends. Right. And then Leviticus starts, God called to Moses from the tent of meeting. He's like, hey, if I want to you to come into my presence, this is how you are to do it. Right? Wow. It's this desire. That's awesome. So it's so what we've what we've done in saying that the God of the Old Testament is wrathful and the God of the New Testament is grace, we've misunderstood. There's two misunderstandings. One is that the sacrificial system was trying to appease this angry God. And in the New Testament, we can just ask for forgiveness. Whereas in the Old Testament, it was the same. You ask for forgiveness. And then because you were separated, you would willfully go and offer these offerings because it made you draw near to God. But we also say in the New Testament that it's all about grace and we only have to say we're sorry, but, but listen to Hebrews <laughs> chapter 10. Verse 26, four, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Wow. And That's New Testament. That's New Testament. And you think, wow, because now you're not just saying sorry and offering something and I think it's some, somewhere else in Hebrews, it says you've trampled the son of God. It's this passage. Is it, yeah. is it later on? Any, it's right after it. Anyone who sets aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? Wow. So for us mm-hmm. to say, how much more? There's really no difference in the Old Testament. You couldn't say, "I'm going to choose to sin, and it's okay because I can offer a sacrifice tomorrow." You couldn't do that. But for some reason, we have come to the thing where we think it's okay to transgress the commands of God because I can just say I'm sorry. Now I'm not saying there is no grace, right? But I would say it goes back to the definition of the sin. Because if I'm shooting at the mark and I am missing, there is unlimited amounts of grace for me trying to hit the mark and I'm missing because it comes with practice and training and perseverance that I get better and better. And when Zeke started shooting at me, he never hit me. And now I'm I'm crazy looking out for him. Because he's going to shoot me in the eye, eye. right in the right in the throat. (laughs) He loves to shoot me in the Adam's apple. It's the most painful spot. And every time he nails it, because he's got practice, right? So he's been he's he's learned, right? And there's an enormous amount of grace for that. But if we're sitting here with our fist raised, or we're sitting here twisting and twisting and twisting, we're we're trampling underfoot the Son of God and outraged the Spirit of Grace. Wow. That's heavy. It is heavy. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Kevin, why don't you uh, why don't you pray for us? Okay, I can. Lord, we just thank you, and we just really, I think we just pause and we reflect on the sacrifice that you've made on our behalf, um, Jesus, and it's just humbling. It's awe-inspiring, and I just pray that we would never ever trample under our feet the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. And uh, we just thank you for the the pictures of Leviticus and just for the learning. And uh, it really helps us understand, Jesus, what you've done for us. And we just give you all kinds of 
praise and thanks for your sacrifice, for your, your perfect life lived. And uh, as we go forward, let us always be in communion and fellowship with you to make things right, to uh, confess our sins to you freely when we do mess up, knowing that your sacrifice takes care of it completely. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Whole Testament podcast. And make sure you check out the website at thewholetestament.com. Uh, shoot us a message at thewholetestament at gmail.com if you have any questions. And next week, you don't want to miss this. Uh, Kevin and his wife, Julie, will be talking with Dave about uh, some of the physical healing that could come from uh, the, the spiritual side of forgiveness. Uh, it's going to be a really great episode. You won't want to miss it. And thanks for listening. If you error, 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 error,